Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What do you want me to do? Seriously, what do you want me to do? The cool thing about wrestling pay-per-views is I get a lot of tweets and stuff like that, either during or after the show, with lovely people like your good self saying, Simon, I can't wait to see your reaction. Well, my reaction is this. Just like some hocked-up drug addict that needs the adrenaline every single second of my life. Let me just sum up for you for the people that have no patience. This could very well have been one of the best wrestling pay-per-views my name is Simon Miller. I do appreciate you joining me. We have so much to talk about, so let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. And we're going to take the finger of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down. <laughs> You're right. started with the pre-show match, obviously. I mean, what else would we have done? Where we had the best friends team with the Jurassic Express to take on the Hardy family office. And you already know this was good. They ticked all the boxes. They have my heart because they're super-duper talented wrestlers. The real talking point is what happened after Jungle Boy had made Angelico tap out because the Butcher returned to AEW, which I was like, well, thanks Flubbins for that because finally I'd go and buy meat again. And he gave Orange Cassidy a massive powerbomb. And I was like, of course he powerbombed Orange Cassidy. He's a piece of fruit. He can't sell him in his shop. The Hardy family then went nuts because I'm pretty sure they tried to cut Orange Cassidy's hair, as you do. But this just led to the floodgates opening and basically the entire AEW locker room came out to stop them. So that's kind of intriguing. That's kind of interesting. And also it was very pleasant because it got as many faces as you could onto the show. Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the TNT title was what kicked off All Out properly and the amount of stories in this. I mean, it was all like, oh my gosh, Miro's undefeated, but he's been taking on smaller guys and Eddie Kingston is a bigger guy and he's basically going to make this a street fight. And then Kingston poked him right in the eye in order to get the advantage. This was truly the best way to start things off. And also, they just kicked each other's ass. Unless you're a little bit of a strange person, this is all you did want to see. And Eddie Kingston was wearing a t-shirt that said, redeem these nuts. And he only said that a few days ago, so it's a couple of thumbs for the t-shirt company. Eddie also kept exploding with flurries as well. But the idea here is that Miro was just like some kind of juggernaut that's really hard to take down. And at one point, the former Rusev even busted out a dropkick. Have you seen Miro? He's basically a wall 
time. Now he's doing flubbing drop kicks. So after a while, this really did break down kind of to Eddie getting twonked in the head a lot and being like, oh man, how am I going to get back? But he always found a way to get to his feet. Which brings us to the finish, and I saw some criticism towards this. Well, you better come in my house and have an argument, because I thought it rocked. Because after the two tangled in the corner, Eddie Kingston accidentally ripped the turnbuckle pad off, and so the referee was like, well, that's no good. I better go put the turnbuckle pad back on the ring, as you would do. But unfortunately, he then missed a DDT from Eddie Kingston, which if he had turned around, may have meant we had a new champion, and the fans were not pleased. They also started to chant that he had made a mistake, and maybe he did, but maybe he didn't. But this is one of the smartest distractions I have seen for ages because I could actually watch it and go, well, yes, that is what an official should do. You can't just have ring paraphernalia flopping around the place. And then it tied into all this again because these two are going to ram each other into the steel. But the ref was like, no, this is not part of the match. It's a one-on-one -on -one contest. You better fight properly. Because he was concentrating on that, though, Miro hit Eddie Kingston right in the balls. He applied the game over. That was that. We were done. He is still your TNT champion. Whoever came up with this is an absolute brilliant person. And even if it was a mistake, well, it worked for me. You want to know why? Because it felt real. I also didn't see it coming and it didn't feel like nonsense. These things mean a lot to me. So I'm going with great finish. It was then Kojima versus John Moxley. And we really need to remember that Kojima is in his 50s and he's still doing shib like this. Up. I mean, they kind of just took what we'd just seen and did their own version of it, but it was far more frenetic, mostly because Kojima and John Moxley do come across like crazy people. I mean, at one point, they were just trying to bite chunks of skin out of the other person's face. And if you go and tell anybody on the street, what do you do for a living? Oh, well, I try and bite chunks of skin out of other people's face. They'll be like, I'm really sorry I asked, don't talk to me. Kojima also DDT'd Moxley onto the apron. And I looked it up and yes, that is the hardest part in the ring. And the whole time he kept going for his lariat, which was another reminder, it doesn't matter what your finish is, as long as you sell it in the match and as long as the announcers are selling it up there. They were smacking each other so hard, Moxley's elbow was busted open at one point. And just to show the ultimate respect to this legend, John Moxley didn't just hit him with one paradigm shift, but he hit him with two. He got him for the three, and I enjoyed this muchly. However, as we probably should have predicted, that damn forbidden door doesn't have a lock on it anymore. So as soon as John Moxley was done, I was going, yeah, I did it, I'm the best. Minoru Suzuki came out, and I couldn't help but laugh. I've said it before, I'll say it again. AEW is just the Super Smash Brothers of Wrestling and people are just getting signed up to it all the time. At first I was like, well, who the hell knows where this ends? But as it was going to turn out later, Moxie cut a promo and said, let's do it on Dynamite. So we are. And they fought here too. Suzuki hit it with the gotch pile driver. Let me just see what I got in the pocket. Oh yeah, that's right. Let's get it up. The women's title was on the line next as it was Britt Baker taking on Chris Statlander. And you're going to be massively surprised by this. Wait for it. I mean, this was great as well because look at the variety we're getting here. Now it was human versus alien. And because of that, early on, Chris Statland had tried to do that boop thing, which he shouldn't have done because Britt Baker was like, all right, I'll take your arm and I'll try and put you in the lockjaw. But of course, it was too early and she wasn't able to. This was mostly as well because Chris is too powerful. And I quite like this because not only does it tie into the gimmick, I presume an extraterrestrial would be really strong, but it also laid the foundations for this match. She was the powerhouse and not because she's just massively bigger than Britt Baker. She's just a stronger human being, <coughs> excuse me, alien. Jamie Hayter, Rebel and Orange Cassidy were on the outside, so there was a bit of tet for tet there, but ultimately Britt Baker got on top here and she started to beat Chris Statlander down before she just started to do these crazy moves. Honestly, go and track down the like the stalling power superplex she did from the top rope. 
It is absolutely devastating, although of course it's not the most devastating moon roller sports entertainment. They eventually brawled to the outside where Chris Statler went to hit a moonsault off the apron and just splattered right onto the floor. And I was like, my word, that looked like it sucked. And then Baker followed that up with a curb stomper because she is a bad guy, she got back in the ring. But do you know who gave the energy to Statlander to re-enter the squared circle? It was Orange Cassidy showing more emotion than maybe he ever has. And that's smart, every now and then you've got to sprinkle in something extra. We also saw a pan of my sunrise from Baker, which at the time I was like, well, that's a lovely little near fall. What a tease. It was not going to be a tease at all. It was going to be a foreboding about what was to come. But eventually, yes, Chris Statlander did get locked in the lockjaw. She passed out. All of this was just a really solid professional wrestling match. Andrade and ooh, Chavo were then here. And yes, they were all like, oh, well, I can't take on Pac later because he's going to have travel issues. And it was kind of insinuated that his travel issues were because of Andrade and Uchava. So this story has been really weird. We talked about it before, but they are going to fight on Rampage. And look, when they do get it on, it's going to be great. And then, well, <laughs> that's my noise. <sighs> Write that in the counter. Just PFFT. Just ridiculousness scrunched up and squids right into your face. Because it was the Young Bucks defending their tag team titles against the Lucha Brothers in a steel cage. Why even bother? Sometimes you want to build things up and have some hyperbole, have some hype. No, it's just a waste of your time. It's a waste of my time. One day we're all going to be dead and on your deathbed you're like, man, why didn't he just tell me what that match was going to get? It doesn't just get an up. It gets the golden up. And you really do need to see this. I mean it. If you consider yourself a professional wrestling fan, you need to take 20 minutes, whatever the hell it was, sit down and watch this absolute masterpiece. And you can even check out the entrances. Because we had a live performance of the Lucha Brothers theme, which always makes people feel like superstars. And when the Young Bucks came out here, Nick Jackson is just slowly transforming into a lion. He's like dyed bits of his beard, he's dyed his hair. He is 100% becoming a lion, and I'm here for it. The Elite also made sure they left the ringside area because again, we had established that nobody's getting in the cage and nobody's getting out the cage. And now once more, as I said in the intro, I don't know what to do. I can tell you all the things they did here, but none of it's gonna hit home in the way required. This was incredible. It just was, that's the word. Go look up incredible in the dictionary and you'll probably see a picture of all these four guys goes, oh, hey, it's us now. People are like, wait, when did they get there? And it would be within the last 12 hours. I mean, in the first five minutes, we've seen Phoenix doing an arm drag springboard. We saw Penton drop kicking somebody in the ass. Mac Jackson just had the best facial expressions ever as Nick Jackson tried to do around about 78,600 moves in the shortest period possible. And that was just setting the scene. That was just setting us up for what was to become. And I suppose the big turning point is when that damn Brandon Cutler got a bag and he threw it in the ring. Because in said bag was a pair of shoes that happened to have thumbtacks stuck into the bottom of it. So Matt Jackson put on this shoe and he started to boot people right in the head to the point Penta was just bleeding his own blood. I mean, who else's blood would he bleed? And with the mask and that whole visual, it was like, man, I'm just a little bit uncomfortable here. I think that man's gonna die. Phoenix got it as well, but at one point Penta stood in front of his brother because he wasn't gonna allow him to experience any more pain. So I was like, would somebody excuse me? I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit sad right now. Water are coming from my eyes. And this just built to such a crescendo. The Ray Phoenix, who by the way is not human, he doesn't, he lives on planet Zog or something, climbed to the top of the cage and he hit a crossbody. I mean, it was perfect. I couldn't hit a crossbody from here. If a fly was on the floor and I tried to do it, I'd miss. He did it from 72 million feet up. 
what a damn specimen. This all built to a ton of near falls, which once again, I can't do justice, but eventually the Lucha Brothers hit that double driver thing that they did, and they got the one, two, three, they became the new tag team champions. Honestly, this gave me goosebumps. This felt like a real moment, and I was just willing them on to be successful. So when they were, that satisfaction left my television, and it smacked me right in the face. This could be very well one of the best tag team matches ever. And I'm completely bought into the idea now that the Young Bucks are one of the best tag teams ever. You could probably put the Lucha Brothers in there as well. Just 10 out of 10, 5.7 stars, whatever Dave Meltzer does. Obviously a golden up. Tremendous. Have I said that before? Probably I'll say it again. Tremendous. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And it was then like, well, what the hell are you going to do now? How are you going to follow that? Like it could have gone, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. And one person had been like, no, man, I'm too exhausted. I can't cheer for you, Dwayne Johnson. So kind of smartly, AEW slowed things down a little bit. And we had a highlight package of what we'd already seen. And about five minutes later, it was time for the Women's Battle Royale, which was also smart because it was different pacing. And you know these things are always mad. You can't have a battle royal that's not a bit nuts. But it did that magical word that all wrestling needs to do. It was fun. I will run down everybody that's in it because I don't want to miss anybody. And we had Sheeda, Sky Blue, Emi Sakura, The Bunny, Abaddon, Anna Jay, Kira Hogan, Kylan King, Diamante, Dyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford, Riho, Jamie Hayter, Big Swole, Ty Conte, Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch, Jake Kyle, Rebel, and your Joker, which ties into the theme of All Out, who was a surprise entry, of course. It was Ruby Soho. Yes. She got a wonderful reaction and her absolute best quality is how damn happy she came across because then once again I was feeling happy and all you really need to know is that this came down to Thunder Rosa and Ruby Soho and they basically had a mini matchup but that was so well thought out because you were like well I wonder who's going to win because Thunder Rosa is one of those popular people in the company. Everybody was behind Ruby. Smart stuff. It basically came down to them fighting on the apron before Ruby did just boot Thunder Rosa right in the head. She sold it like she was knocked out. She hit the floor. So look what we're doing already within 60 seconds our next tune is going to be Brett Baker versus Ruby Soho that's a brand new matchup the women's division could use someone like Ruby it now has it 
I'm just gonna clap like a seal. I'm serious, I'm just gonna clap like a seal. Why do we watch this stuff? To be entertained? And I swear my entertainment gland was about to explode. And then, my word. I was in tears, somebody give MGF a medal. I don't ever care, somebody walk up to him and just put it around his neck. I mean, he's probably gonna punch you in the face, but don't worry about it. But we had the Jericho countdown, and it was all like, oh my God, Chris Jericho's gonna do nostalgia stuff. When then, on the Titan Tron, it said Jericho's last match, and this was Maxwell Jacob Friedman just being the best asshole ever. Once again, he deserves some kind of award. Brilliant. He also came out here looking like the Burger King, so he was just so much more easy to hate. And Chris Jericho did a phenomenal job to him. He had some guy playing guitar during his entrance, but even the way he was looking at the crowd, like, oh, I'm so forlorn, I can't believe I'm about to retire. We did every single thing we had to do here just to plant that one little tiny percent of doubt into your head. And maybe it didn't work for you, but I'm happy to tell you it absolutely worked for me. These two are awesome together as well because they have such good chemistry and it was just traditional old school wrestling with a dusty finish. And again, there's always one person that goes, I can't believe AEW did a dusty finish. The dusty finish is great. The dusty finish works. You just don't have to overdo it. And by my book, here it is, AEW has not done it that much at all, if ever. But after Wardlow had decided to flub this and started running to the ring and Jake Hagar tried to stop him, referee Aubrey Edwards was like, would you two go away? You just, you're making my job so hard and I don't need it right now. It meant she wasn't watching the ring. So MGF got Floyd the baseball bat. He hit Chris Jericho. He then followed it up with the Judas effect and the referee went one and the referee went two and the referee went three and it was like the Undertaker losing at WrestleMania 30. Everybody in the arena kind of went quiet because oh my gosh Chris Jericho gonna have to retire. The thing is though this wasn't the case at all because Jericho had got his foot onto the bottom rope but the referee hadn't seen so it was like murder murder. I don't know why they were chanting that but sometimes people chant weird things but then another referee came out he said no no we have to restart the match which we did. Chris Jericho locked on the walls, which also made perfect sense because he'd been working over MJF's back to the point. MJF's like, oh, my back, how am I going to sleep later? Maxwell tapped out. It was just so well done. It was just so well done. At this point, I was like, unless a crater is going to smash into Chicago and just end this thing halfway through, this is going to be one of the best pay-per-views ever. There was no crater, and I was right. It also made me realize you just get fumes on AEW pay-per-views. Like it goes from one match to the next, and it just keeps you so pumped up the entire damn time. And then somehow we got CM Punk versus Darby Allen. I know that sounds stupid. I knew I was going to get CM Punk Darby Allen. But in the structure of this show, I couldn't believe that that was a match that was next. Seven years in the making in many ways, CM Punk was wearing tights, which is always smart, because while it does look a little bit weird, because you're used to pants, this makes him the AEW version of CM Punk. Darby Allen jumped out of a helicopter. Once again, I'm not gonna keep you waiting, there's no point. I thought this was perfect. I don't think they could have done this any better, so it doesn't just get an up, it gets golden up. There are two golden ups, I've broken my system, but I don't care. I mean, the crowd was just so into this, they could have just stared at each other for 78 years and I would have been fine with it, but instead they told this great story of CM Punk being the wily veteran, which he wasn't before, because again, he's got seven years, and Darby Allen being the maniac who was gonna do maniac things, including diving at CM Punk at one point, Punk got out the way, and Darby Allen, I'm like your dad now, look, I've stood the dad pose, decided he would take the ring post by just hurling his back into it. 
and did his back break. No, does this make any sense? No. It felt really welcome and refreshing to me because we'd already seen a bunch of flippy dippy doodah stuff on this show and I love flippy dippy doodah stuff, but again, variety and diversity is key. But it's not like this didn't chug up to 11 eventually. I mean, CM Punk took a code red. There was a bunch of near falls. At one point, CM Punk gave the GTS to Darby Allen, but Darby Allen rolled out of the ring and CM Punk just to put Darby over was like, you know what, ref, you count them out. I don't want any more of this because that crazy man is kicking my ass. Punk also took Darby Allen's suicide dive, which is the best dive in the business. And that made me laugh because in interviews, Punk's been like, I don't want to take that dive. It looked like it sucked. And then Darby Allen gave him a flip dive off the top rope. Can we please remember that CM Punk is 42 years old? I don't think I'd take a flip dive now. It's not sure I took one the other day, but the point is he didn't have to do that, but he did. My absolute favorite bit though, was how he got out of the coffin drop. Because Darby Allen went for it, and as if he was the Undertaker, CM Punk just sat up, but then he laughed. And he laughed like, oh, you silly goose, you little rookie, you've got so much to learn. Made me feel all warm and fuzzy in my top down. The whole thing just underpinned the narrative we had been telling, and after this really cool near fall exchange, CM Punk hit the GTS, he got the one, two, three. Darby Allen feels like a bigger star, especially because afterwards, both CM Punk and Sting acknowledged him as, oh, you're the future, you're the best person ever. This was like a dream. This was like a story somebody had written on Reddit, and the comments underneath were, this is unrealistic, that would never happen, but it did, and it happened twice, but I'll talk about that later. If you are any kind of fan of CM Punk, once again, you need to go and watch this. I said it once, I say it twice. Honestly, don't think it could have been better. Things then didn't get a little bit weird because our next match was then Paul White versus QT Marshall. And in all the hysteria, I'd actually forgotten that this was on the card and I really wanted more drugs injected into my system. I understand why AEW did do this, but I was on such a high, I was like, no, keep my high going. Give me the main event. But you can't be mad at this either. Big Show got in there. He threw the factory around. He eventually gave the chokeslam to QT Marshall and he pinned him and it's probably clocked in in around about three minutes. So you can't be upset with that. I mean, that'd be like me coming around your house, giving you a knock on the door and saying, oh, hey, pal, I brought you this delicious drink. And you may not have been thirsty at the time, but you still gave it a sip and you thought, oh, wow, I'm so glad I had this delicious drink. I don't know what that means. Up. We even fit in some dynamite advertising in there as well because we are going to get John Moxley versus Suzuki and Malachi Black versus Dustin Rhodes. We made sure we had promos from Malachi and John Moxley. And then everybody just calmed down because it was time for our main event, Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega. And my word, were we in for a treat. These two knew exactly what they had to do as well because they were not mucking around at all and it said went and went about 100 miles per hour. I mean, they were teasing finishes, they were doing dives. At one point, Christian got whipped into the steel steps and basically took it like Mick Foley. And then Kenny Omega got a table out, laid it over Cage and stomped on it. And I clocked it in. I was like, it's like three and a half minutes and we got a long time to go. Omega took over from there, obviously, because he is the bad guy, but there were still these cool reversals in there. Like when he was going to go for the You Can't Escape, but Christian reversed it into his reverse DDT. Oh, oh man, that was really clever. I don't think I've seen it before. This thing was filled with those kind of reversals too, so they had their R2 timing right on the money. And ultimately, what Kenny Omega kept doing here was dropping Christian Cage on his neck and dropping Christian Cage on his head. And do you know why he had to retire in round one because of problems with his brain? So it was like, Kenny, you are just a dastardly, dastardly villain, but you do have a great beard. At this point, you remembered that an extra table had been set on the outside and these two 
hot tamales, pretended they were going to do a one wing angel and a kill switch in there. But we still got a running spear off the apron through that wood. So that was absolutely nuts. And then we went back in the ring. This just escalated pretty quickly. They're also both so talented that they started selling injuries halfway through. Like, oh no, I can't do that move because my hip hurts. And of course, at one point out came the elite. But this backfired on Kenny Omega because he went to V-Trigger Christian. Christian got out of the way. He hit Luke Gallows. That led to a kill switch and a crazy near fall, especially because the commentators were going, oh, that's what won last time. But it wasn't to be. Because that Nimrod Don Callis then got in the ring and this kind of distracted Christian, but he was still able to go on the top rope with Kenny Omega. And while he was going to go, if you can believe this, for an avalanche kill switch, instead we got something even crazier. Omega hit the one winged angel from the top and I was just like, <laughs> what else are we going to see? And of course that was it. Imagine that wasn't it. Imagine he hit that Christian and kicked out. That would have been utterly ridiculous. Sadly, it did beat him. And it kind of gave Christian Cage an out because now he can go, man, that carny piece of shit Don Callis, he screwed me again. You don't care about any of that though. You don't care about any of that. You just care about what happened afterwards. And I just need to ask the question, how right now in this year of 2021, are we as wrestling fans being so privileged in what we are getting to experience? To the point, I can't actually believe what I'm about to tell you happened. And I truly do think it probably is one of the best endings to any pay-per-view because the Bucks and the Good Brothers are out here to celebrate with Kenny Omega, even though Matt and Nick Jackson have basically been murdered afterwards, when they decided, oh look, there's Christian, let's punch him in the face. So somebody was going to have to come and save him, and it was the Jurassic Express, but you know wrestling maths, they were still up against it because of the numbers game. Kenny grabbed a microphone and did his usual stick when he comes across like a massive nerd, but it's so damn good, but his final line was basically, nobody can beat me, and if they could, they're already dead. And at that very moment... Out when the lights. Now, of course, you thought this, I thought this, we all thought this. Oh, here comes Daniel Bryan. But it wasn't. He had made a dead reference. So Adam Cole debuted in AEW. And I was like, oh man, I'm such a good time. And just when I thought I couldn't double my good time, he stared down with the elite. He kicked Jungle Boy, poor old Jungle Boy, boy living in the jungle, right in the neck, in the throat, in the head. And he celebrated with Kenny Omega, his friends. So within eight seconds, Adam Cole had gone heel. I was like, that's it. Who booked this? Did somebody genuinely go on Reddit? Tony Khan, I don't know if you watch these videos. You're my favorite person ever. This is exactly what a fan should have done. And sometimes you get that criticism. Oh, Tony Khan is just a fan. Good, good. I've had dreams worse than this. Brilliant. I assume that's when all that was going to go off air as well. But then I didn't care. I'm going to say it. F this is the noise I was making. I was like, fuck, Because you could just tell that something else was coming. <laughs> Which was Daniel Bryan. I was like this. I was like, ah, just making random noises. Right at the Valkyrie started to play. The fans lost their absolute damn minds. Daniel Bryan came out with the biggest smile on his face and straight away like, oh yeah, it's Daniel Bryan. I love you more than life itself. He ran down. He beat up the elite. He joined the Jurassic Express. And honestly, it can't be real. I've made it up. And you're probably going to watch and leave a comment saying, Simon, none of this actually happened. Was this in some weird fantasy book that you wrote? And I believe you. I can't believe that somebody had the balls to do this, but my word am I pleased they did. So this was an all-timer. It really was. And I get it. If you're not into AEW, that's absolutely fine. You're allowed to make your own choices, but I really do think you're missing out. And what a, what a predicament I'm in. I mean, it gets a golden up, obviously. Can be, there you go. It becomes golden. But also add the number, I don't know, 456 to it. That's right. It gets 456 golden ups. But once again, let's just recap. The debut of Adam Cole, who then turned heel, 
followed by the debut of Brian Danielson, who I think I call Daniel Bryan because I'm an idiot, who headlined WrestleMania all of three or four months ago. You go out there and you find me a comparison to this. This is just great. This is brilliant. I love wrestling. I love being a wrestling fan. I love being a bald hell. I just love everyone. I'm going to give everybody $1 million. It's not true. I don't have anywhere near to $1 million. But if I had, I still wouldn't give it to you because that would be a silly use of my money. Which brings us to the end of All Out 2021 and the whole show's getting a golden up. So I've completely obliterated my system, but AEW has obliterated all the rules. And I tell you, keep obliterating them for the rest of our lives. It's great, it's fun, it makes me happy. At the end of the day, it is just wrestling, but when you can make it feel this grand and this important, my word, you are filling my life up with a cup of brilliance. And these words just coming out my mouth now. Point is, I'm done, it's over, and I'm actually going to go and watch all four or five hours, whatever the hell it was, all out again. Of course I am. I need it in my veins. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.